Welcome to the Imaginal Inspirations podcast with me, David Lorimer, where I talk to my guests about experiences, people, and books that have shaped their lives and work. Imaginal cells are responsible for the metamorphosis of the caterpillar into a butterfly, which is also the Greek symbol for the soul. These cells are dormant in the caterpillar, but at a critical point of development, they create the new form and structure, which becomes the butterfly. My guest today is Dr. Lotta Valentin. She is a naturopathic physician, author, evidential psychic and medical medium, ancestral healer, and international keynote speaker. She's the author of Med School After Menopause, The Journey of My Soul, great title, an inspirational story about transformation, healing, and spirituality. And she's also the creator of Healing Your Ancestral Mother Wound, which she produced in collaboration with Hemisync. Dr. Lotta also leads workshops on ancestral healing for the Theosophical Society, as well as other organizations, and is a regular guest on the Shift Network. She's had two near-death out-of-body experiences, which resulted in her becoming clairvoyant, clairaudient, and clairsentient, and activating her life path, and we look forward to exploring those. She was then guided to attend medical school, as well as become an author and evidential medium. She completed her medical school prerequisites and accepted into naturopathic medical school at the age of 54. Dr. Lotta is also the host of her own podcast, Dr. Lotta Science with Soul, which is really what we're about here as well, which is currently ranked in the top 10% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts. She developed this podcast to help people create a path to healing their own life physically, emotionally and spiritually and bridge the gap between science and soul. So welcome to Imaginal Inspirations, Lotta. And what an interesting biography. So you better tell us first about a shaping moment involving your choice of work or indeed your change of orientation. How I ended up doing what I'm doing now. Indeed. Yes. And it was quite the journey because... I was born and raised in the country of Sweden in Northern Europe, and I moved to the United States when I was 21, and I went to, I transferred from Stockholm University in Sweden, I transferred into Boston University, and majored in business and computer science, and so my first job out of college was to be a programmer and a systems analyst at IBM in New York. And after a few years there, um, I started having children and we moved to California. And I took a leave of absence and I had another child. And then I had another child. And after that third child was born, I had my first near-death experience. And then I was really sick for two years. I had something called the bone marrow suppression. And as I was going through that healing journey, I had another NDE. And I always joke that I didn't get the full effect of the first NDE. So the spirit world arranged for me to have another one so that I could get the full message of what I'm here to do. Because at that point, well, after the first near-death experience, while I was still in the hospital, I could hear my sister-in-law talking to me and she was in the left corner of the ceiling. And so that opening of hearing the spirit world started the day after my first near-death experience. But I didn't believe 
in the afterlife. I didn't believe in eternal life. I didn't believe in angels. So I had a very materialistic worldview. But at that moment, that day, that everything changed. And I started hearing the spirit world. And two years later, I had another near-death experience. And for the next 12 years, there was this journey of hearing the spirit world. And they would tell me things that were going to happen to people. Somebody was sick in the family. They needed to go to the hospital. And I would call them and say, hey, what happened to my nephew? Is he is he still sick? He needs to go back to the hospital because I keep hearing, you know, gall- gallbladder, liver, uh, spleen. And he ended up having to have his gallbladder removed. And then I would see my father's coffin before he passed away. I would see accidents that we were going to be in. And I would tell my children, you two kids are in the car. This is what's going to happen. I could tell the stories if we have time, but I'm just trying to get across that that opening happened for many, many years by all these different different events that I was being shown. And I would write down these events so that I wouldn't think that it was a deja vu when it happened. And I would tell my children, I would tell my husband about my different visions. And I would typically see images of some event that was going to happen. But sometimes I would hear things. And I also had an experience where I saw my own kids at a distance in real time. And they were in San Francisco making a U-turn at a light. And I could see, I was at home in our kitchen and I could see my son looking, waiting for the light to change. He was sitting and it was a yellow light and I could see a truck coming in the opposite direction and he was going to make a U-turn and he he waited and then it was yellow and he's thinking, okay, that truck is going to stop because it's turning red. I'm going to go. Well, the truck decided to go through on the yellow to red and missed my kid's car by, I swear, an inch. And I could see this. It was as if I was standing on the sidewalk watching this happen. And I could see them taking off, going into the distance. My daughter was in the back seat. I could see her body kind of flinging to the side as if that U-turn and he stepped on the gas. And I literally had to sit down for 10 minutes in the kitchen and just said, thank you. Thank you, Spirit World, for saving them. And when they came home later that evening, they were really hungry. I let them eat first. And then after my daughter finished, she looks at me and she says, Mom, we almost got hit by a truck. And I said, wow. yeah, I so know. T- typically, I um, you'd, you'd see these events only a few hours before or more or less at the time? Or, or do, you, some of, do some of them occur more in advance? So sometimes when it came to my father, he had a stroke. And it's over in Sweden. And I'm in the United States. I'm in California. And my brother called me and said, oh, you know, dad had a stroke. He can still understand everything. Everything is good. He's being moved into rehabilitation. And he can understand everything. They're just, you know, giving him declotting agents. So I said, okay, we're going to come over. So I'm going to bring the kids. And we were at the bookstore getting some books on tape for the kids because they were about 12, 10, and and 6, almost 7 at the time. So we needed books on tape for the kids. It's a long journey from, from California to Sweden. And while we're at the bookstore, I keep telling my husband, I keep seeing my dad's coffin. I know he's going to die. And I saw it, it, it and it was from a certain angle. So it was from slightly above as if I was up and to the right 
of the mm. coffin and I saw a certain flower arrangement. And I said, this is so weird. Why do I see the coffin at this angle at every funeral I had ever been to? The coffin was either horizontally or vertical, like looking on to the to the stage or it being in a church growing up in Sweden. And I kept seeing it from an angle above and to the right. Well, we we got there. We got there on a Tuesday morning and my sister-in-law was at the airport and she says, we have to go now. There's no time. And we she drove, you know, at hyperspeed to the hospital. I got there and my dad passed away an hour after I got there. He was just waiting for me to get there. And of course, then the funeral happens. We ended up, you know, changing our tickets, staying there. And the way that funeral was held in this place is like a a crematory, maybe it's called in English. It's like a cremation center, but they also have this, a center where you can hold a ceremony and it was round. And so I walk in and it's almost like a stage is round and you got benches going up like at a, a theater right in a tier and i asked where i was to sit and she said uh, that you know you're the daughter you're going to sit right there my view of the coffin was of that exact angle mm. from a tear up looking down at the coffin at that angle and the flowers on top we went to the flower store and my mom said which flowers do you think i should get and it was a whole binder of flowers and she ended up on this one page and that the bouquet I had seen was on the bottom corner. And she said, should I go with this one or this one? And I said, I'm not going to pick it because I know which one it is. And I was still in that evolving or awakening part of my life where I needed proof that what I, what, mm. what I was experiencing and hearing was actually the, the truth. And so I said, mom, you pick the flowers, you know, dad the best. And of course, that's the one she picked it was the one I had seen. It was this dark violet red flowers. But it it took so many years. It took me 12 years to trust in all those messages and the spirit world and understanding that we are all connected and life is eternal. We don't, when we die, we just step outside our body and we are still there. We still, you're still you just outside your body. But it took me a long time. And I think that's because I was so scientific. My father was a physician. He didn't believe in anything though he went to Sunday school every Sunday since he was three years mm-hmm. old, he never uh, wanted us to go through that. And he said, that's that's your choice when you grow up. I was confirmed in the Lutheran church when I was 14, but I didn't believe in any of it. And I thought, you die, it's black, you're gone, that's it. So there was no understanding for me until I had my near-death experience that we are all connected. It Life is this divine experience where we evolve our consciousness and absolutely we yeah we we live we until you get to that point we live by our thoughts if i can say that it's it's more we're controlled by our mind and our thoughts until we realize that we don't really control everything that happens it is all a divine existence and everything is connected to everything else. So whatever your thoughts are, whatever you do, your own experiences is going to affect all of those that you are connected to, which is basically yes. everybody you met or live with, or your family system, and it's all connected. So I, I agree. I think it is systemic. And looking, going on to the next 
question, and maybe this needs to be phrased in a different way to what I usually do, because I usually talk about an influential mentor or teacher, but it seems like in your case, the influential mentor is your experience of the spirit world. They were your mentors. Would that Absolutely. be fair, fair, fair to say? Yes, I would say that is very fair to say. It is the spirit world that's guiding my journey. And of course, we all have fantastic teachers along the way as we explore this new journey. So for me to trust in that spirit world, I ended up studying at, after I went to medical school, I was guided to go to Arthur Finley College in England oh, and yes. study mediumship uh, with those teachers. They're absolutely fantastic. So of course, those would also be my mentors of opening up that mm. channel and helping me trust um, and get getting clearer messages. In the beginning, I would just get messages and I would say, well, it's it's okay. I, I get it. The spirit world drops in to give me messages. But then to expand that and be able to tune into other people and give them messages from loved ones in the spirit world or even, you know, their spirit guides, which is also very fascinating when I work with people and their, their spirit guides come in. And the messages, I mean, also from the spirit world, but the messages are always what that person needs to hear at that point in time. You know, the spirit, I would say this Very person specific. is trying to do this, stepping into this. And I'll see, a, you know, a fork in the road. And I said, you're trying to make a decision about something. That's what they're telling me. And they can only say yes and no, pretty much. And it, what that message is, sometimes it's a change in career and they're supposed to be going in a new direction. And that comes through. And it's just amazing. And it just shows how divinely guided we all are, but we haven't. All of us we haven't need... learned to tune into it yet. No, we need to listen. I'm I'm wondering, do you have an individual guide, as it were, or do you have a group of people, of beings that you work with? I would say we all have groups of people. So we have people, you know, spirit guides that have lived here on Earth and they are good at something. And that's they come in and help us with those things when we need them. So if I'm working as a physician or a medical intuitive, I'm going to have my dad will probably also come in. He comes mm -hmm. in many times. He's an ex amazing doctor and as well as other spirit guides. But if I'm working on writing a book, then there's going to be a different spirit guide that's really good at English and helping me find the correct words in English because my native language is Swedish. And so you know, finding sometimes the right words at this point, I feel like I can't speak Swedish and I can't speak English. It's this, um, you know, finding the correct words to express yourself is sometimes hard uh, when it's not your native language. And so then that spirit guide comes in and helps with those things. And we all have different spirit guides that help us with different things. But there is also, I also work, I would say with the higher consciousness or the consciousness of all. And that will give me different messages. That is more of a spiritual journey or a spiritual awakening of what is life all about. And you go to that those higher realms of existence. But that is the, the unified consciousness. And do I have a name for that? Yes, I asked, what do I call this higher level of consciousness? And the name that I got back was Samadhi. So I, okay. I call on... 
And then I had to look up what that meant, samadhi. Yes, and, yes. <laughs> right? And I, I'm very interested in, in the story of your dad helping you because you, you just said before that uh, he was um, a, a physician with normal materialistic assumptions. So he must have been rather surprised when he got to the other side you know, to he find was. that he was still conscious and able to function. So how did, how, what was the first message you got from him after he passed? After he well, after he passed, I received, I mean, individually, like to just to me, you know, I would know he's there and I would tell him, go to the light, follow the light. And there is that surprise. But I think it's even more fun to, when I look at the readings and I had a reading with one of my teachers at Arthur Findlay College. And she said, oh, you know, I've talked about my mom and all these other people. My dad had come in earlier, but then he came in at the end of that session and he said, you proved me wrong because he mm. didn't believe when I told him about my near-death experience, which was years after they happened, because I I knew he wasn't going to be able to comprehend it because I, I, I was that person myself until that moment. And he said, no, that can't happen. It just can't happen. And then he came in on that reading with my teacher in England and he said, you proved me wrong. And I knew exactly what he what he meant. And I just started laughing. But when I work with him, I know sometimes I know it's my dad and he'll, you know, tell me what's wrong with with that person. So sometimes okay. people come in, you know, they say, oh, I have this issue, but that's not really the issue. It's something else. And so and he'll then, maybe identify that. Right, exactly. So the person comes in uh, because they're tired or they have uh, migraine headaches. But my dad will say, uh, no, I, I'll hear liver cancer or lung cancer, oh, you know, goodness. something that's not on Quite that different. person's radar. And then having to maneuver that protocol and say, hey, why don't we look at this? Why don't we look at the liver values? Why don't we look at your lungs? Why don't we do an x-ray? So it's kind of like guide them in that direction. And then, of course, every time something like that happens, it's always correct. So, you know, I mean, at this point, it's just my life. It's been 30 years of this now, and I'm turning 65 soon. So it's been 30 years of my life where I've had to learn and trust in the spirit world. But it's come to the point now where I understand it's all just surrender and being in the present. Because the moment we try to do something or try to accomplish something, it sort of doesn't work. It's all about being present and and surrendering to and trusting which is so difficult when we have this very active mind that gets in the way of saying that you can't do that. that how are you going to make money? How are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to, you know, how are you going to be successful doing that? And that's the the little monkey mind that goes in the background, but it's learning to turn that off and then trusting in, in your heart, in your soul that you're um, doing being, right in, thing. being in the flow mm -hmm. no mm -hmm. i understand entirely what you're saying mm -hmm. let's go on to books that have been important in shaping your life and and thinking i've read so many books when i was 11 years out out of my first nde so that's going to be in two, 2003 to 2004 i had stacks of books next to my bed and i would just comb the san francisco library because we lived uh, in east bay san francisco at the time for books, anything that could explain to me what I, that grid was that I saw around the earth during one of my near-death experiences, could not find anything. And, you know, the internet wasn't that developed back then and didn't really know where to look, just tried to look in different departments in the library for anything that could guide me. 
And I read a lot of books. One of the books that really influenced me was Valerie Hunt's book, Infinite Mind. And that really resonated with me because I needed still proof. I needed scientific evidence that what I was experiencing here in the spirit world and knowing things about people or events that were about to take place, how does that work? And I needed proof. I needed scientific evidence. So that was an an important book. And right after my first near-death experience, uh, Life After Life with Raymond Moody, Mm. um, that is what allowed me to feel sane. And it was my mother-in-law that I told the story to. The first one I told the story of what had happened. And because she noticed there was a shift in me and she didn't know what it was. And she said, what happened? Tell me. And I told her how I had left my body and everything that had happened. And she said, you had a near-death experience. I'm going to go and get you a book. And that's the book she brought Mm. back. So that was a very important book uh, for me at the time, because that allowed me to understand I had some form of an experience because I thought I was I was going crazy. I thought, what's happening to me? And I can't tell anyone because they're going to think I'm crazy and they're going to put me in a mental institution and I'll never see my children again. And so I was really afraid of sharing my experience. And I think it's so important Today, we have so many people stepping forward, sharing their near-death experience, and we are reviving thousands of people every day. So in a certain percentage of those people are going to have this type of experience. Yeah, totally. But it's going to be so helpful for them to to learn about it by listening to podcasts and YouTube, etc. And what about the grid? Did you get any any insights into that? And what do you think that was or is? Yeah, so that grid, so it was as if I was, so I experienced the light, the unconditional love. I heard music that came from the angels within the light, which I didn't believe in. So it's just fascinating that this was my experience. And there were two spirit guides and they showed me this grid around the earth that at the time, it looked like a silvery, glittery fishnet because I had grown up in Sweden laying fishnets in the ocean and my grandmother would lift the nets out of the ocean and the the sun would sort of make those water droplets shimmer on the fishnet. But that what they told me was that everything on earth is connected to each other and everything on earth is connected up to that grid. So now I know uh, in 2013, I told this whole story to my daughter for the first time. And she said, mom, that grid you're talking about, you can see it on the internet. But we didn't, you know, I had given up. So in 2004, I couldn't find anything in that library. I said, that's it. I, I'm i I'm healed. I'm moving forward now. I have to let this just rest. And I didn't really, you know, I just put it to the side. And it wasn't until 2013 that all of a sudden, you know, I mean, medical school, I started medical school in 2012. And I told my daughter about it. And she said, mom, it's on the internet. You can Google it. It's the grid around the earth. And that is our connectivity. Everything is connected. It's so as above, so below, because we are reflections of of everything else. We are reflections of everybody within our family, everybody that we came in contact with, and also the spirit world and the universe itself. We come from that light that I saw, that unconditional light, which is God or source or whatever you want, whatever name you want to give it, the name doesn't matter. That's man-made religions here on earth to help us understand that we are divine creatures. But 
ultimately there is only we all come from the same thing i believe that i haven't ever studied religion so i'm i'm not at all an authority on this but my own beliefs from my own experience experiences is that ultimately the religions are trying to teach us very similar messages Indeed. we all come <laughs> from from this one source and we all have called it different names and different practices and ceremonies depending on what part of the earth we come from but all of us are part of the earth but the earth is also alive because the universe is alive and so we are all part of the earth we are if you think of your body and you think of all the cells and organs within your body then you take that body but you put it on the earth then all the people on earth become the cells of the earth we are part of the earth and we're all connected but we're all we're not connected the way we're living because we are not in agreement with each no. other but it's also the conscious uh, the evolution of consciousness itself do you think that there is a potential spiritual renewal going on in which the this grid is playing a role i mean i get a sort of sense of this myself because i think that some people are talking about there being a kind of bifurcation um, that some people are already at in a different world as it were i don't mean ascension i just mean being in a different world because the the, the other world is the, is the technocratic mechanistic world you know which we're also immersed in but it's not the kind of future that i particularly look forward to myself i would say there's absolutely uh an evolution of consciousness itself on the earth there are times when i wonder if we're going in opposite directions you know that we there's almost a division right now in the last couple of years there's at least here in the united states there's such a division between people that i've never seen in the 45 years or something of living in this country and people are in disagreement over so many things and i think it's more important now than ever is is that evolution of consciousness and people stepping up and healing themselves because we are all part of of the greater existence we're all part of the earth we're all one in the end because we are all living in the same body the body of this dimension on earth but as each of us heal and and develop our consciousness and have a better understanding of who we are in the universe itself as we heal we also heal other people because we resonate and entrain with other people but also we are connected through consciousness and you know whatever happens to one person is going to resonate off the other person so if you heal yourself and you evolve and you raise your consciousness it's going to have an effect on all the other people so even if only half of us even if we are divided if that half of us raise our consciousness it's going to affect the other people we come in contact with so we i would say we are in an evolution of raising consciousness and having a greater understanding of who we are within this universe and our amazing abilities that we have you know communicating with the spirit world and the intuition that we have that has been suppressed because of the the societies that we live in but those are all dominated by people that are leaders and the religions of those countries so healing and, ourselves and raising our consciousness that's the work that we can do resonating work if you like that we can do as individuals 
Yes, because everything you do to yourself is going to affect all of those Indeed. that you come in contact It's like a ripple with. in the net yes. or on the water. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go on to, obviously, my question about how your understanding of consciousness influences the way you, you live your life. I mean, it's very clear uh, from what you said already that this is the case. And also coming from this oneness, this underlying oneness, the oneness of life, the oneness of mind, the oneness with each other, you know, which which has its you know, ethical implications as well. Indeed, I was talking to Jenny Rook this week, and she comes from entirely that same position, saying that we are evolving towards light and love, which is experienced in the NDE and the mystical experience, even if it looks as if we're in quite a, a mess, as it were, at the moment. Yes, absolutely. We are evolving towards that love and light. However, we live in a dualistic world. And so you're always going to have the opposite of that. So you're going to have the opposite of love and love, but love and light, because if there is no struggle, there is no evolve, evolvement of that spirit of mm. that soul. And we need to have those struggles or those uh, difficulties, those hurdles in life. And when we jump those hurdles going through life, is how we then raise our consciousness. We become somebody different through those struggles. So I don't, I don't believe we're ever going to live in a world that's just bliss because our experience here in on this plane is to evolve our own consciousness. But it can't be. We can't evolve the consciousness if we don't have the struggles that need to be overcome. So well, it's saying? also like, I mean, it's like how the caterpillar becomes butterfly. I mean, that story is one of total meltdown and and transformation true but that is just the you know the way that the butterfly is born and that how he goes through those those different steps coming out of his little cocoon you know we go through steps being in the womb and being birthed that isn't the physical dimension but consciousness is above the physical dimension is what i'm saying that like the mind the thoughts is more on this plane whereas your consciousness is connected up and out your consciousness is still there when you don't have your body you don't have your brain but you need your brain to have thoughts and have you know your mind is 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 thinking all the time but if you get rid of your body you still have consciousness and you still have awareness but you don't have your body and so the the brain is just a, a computer, a hard drive that's interpreting messages from your consciousness that is residing in space, if you so will, because it's not in your body. No, I'm, I understand that. And so really the the, the, the sort of dualistic challenges um, are the, the, that is the meaning of suffering. So that we we can potentially grow through suffering not it doesn't always happen but it it, there's an opportunity right exactly and i think that's why we have to have the hurdles there is no such thing as an easy life right everybody has hurdles you might look down the street and think that those people that have a nice car and the biggest house on the street don't have any problems they have problems too everybody has problems everybody suffers you know more or less i mean you can argue what you know what's more suffering for for one person that has a a physical ailment and another person that has emotional suffering but that's their incarnation the suffering might actually be the same if you actually wanted to measure it because it's just our own mind that's interpreting that you know being in a wheelchair would be worse would be that worst scenario for you versus the other person who lost 
two arms. So I'm saying it's just whatever, however you interpret that, that physical or emotional suffering of somebody else is based on your own perception of life, your own, I call them the rose colored glasses you made for yourself, starting as an infant, and the environment that you were in, what you inherited on your DNA, who are you also connected with in your family system, via this grid or via the photons, right? So the people who just received the award for physics, the Nobel Prize in physics, proved that whatever happens to one photon, even when they're separated, if these two photons had met, so think of it, if you have two people that meet, and then one person goes to Australia, and the other one goes to England, whatever happens to the person in Australia is going to affect the one in England. And so they proved this with with physics. And when you think of that, you also understand how you are affected, not only by the DNA, which is the physical part of you, but also the actions and the reactions and interactions of your ancestors that were traumatic or caused a lot of grief, and that you are connected through time and space to that. And you also actually inherit trauma on the DNA, because we know that now. So you have two ways of the fact that you're connecting to your ancestors. So it's almost, you know, karmic in a sense, because whatever is unresolved of those ancestors are your, it might, that ticket might be in your bucket. And so we yes. think that we're not, <laughs> we think we're so independent and not, we're not related to grandpa that we never met. He died before I was born, but guess what? You are because that you are connected and that's that grid again. But that's what the science is now starting to see is that the photons are affected even as if they've met and separate, they're still affecting that other photon. Well, it's it's non-locality applied at the level of, of consciousness, okay, which which because obviously the, the photons is a different level. But what I was going to say was that Peter Mark Adams, who's speaking in a few weeks at our Mystics and Scientists conference on the power, the healing power of sound and light, he talks about the healing field in which the ancestors are present. And so we're dealing, you're you're absolutely right, according to what he how he would interpret it. Now we're dealing with some of these family patterns as well. You know, which is a sobering thought. But I think it's a liberating thought because it means that, you know, we can help those who've passed on. Absolutely. Um, and I work, you know, I work a lot with ancestral healing and I studied ancestral healing and then it got merged with my mediumship and my other knowledge. And so the way I work with it is probably a bit different than the traditional way mm. of, of looking at it. Um, but the patterns that you see and the entanglement that you see with the ancestors is absolutely real. Uh, the patterns repeat and you can see that, you know, patterns repeat within families for generations, hundreds of years. And we think of it also as just being the environment we're all in, which is true because then we have that conditioning of the mind based on how we're treated by our parents. And then we go repeat that pattern with our own children and it just goes on and on until somebody steps up and says, I'm going to break this pattern. Well, but when we break that exactly pattern, that. Yes. Right? Um, it, it, it's a ripple effect back in time. Because yes. you heal them, those ancestors that are in the spirit world are also getting healed because we are connected to them. And you're connected to all your family and those that come after you. So when people step up to that plate and create healing, it has that ripple effect through time and space. That's such an important message, Lotta. Thank you very much. And just the final, my final question is, is there any advice you'd give to your younger self from where you are now? 
any advice I give myself at this point in my life, it's the surrender and trust. Because I know that as long as I work from my heart space and don't let my mind, my monkey mind get in the way, that's so logical and <laughs> so methodical. Don't listen to the monkey mind. Tune into how I feel about something. Is this the right way to go? Connecting with the spirit world and then trusting that it's all going to work out. That is your path because you can feel it when you tune into it. But the mind, it, it sort of has this ping pong game between your mind and your heart. And it's learning to let that mind rest. Well, I think that's a wonderful note to end on uh, and extremely good and valuable advice. Thank you so much for being on Imaginal Inspirations. And I look forward to keeping in touch. Oh, thank you for having me. 